0: Hello and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth.
1: this is a great adventure. It's also Rescuing Churches, and I'm Josh Givens, joined as always by my father, 614 Ministries Executive Director, Stan Givens. And as you know, we've always made the analogy that pastoral life and life in the ministry in any capacity really is a great adventure unlike any other, and we couldn't think of a better song for our podcast bumper intro. And we uh, say that of course as two of the most biased, biased. Stephen Curtis Long-time Chapman fans <laughs> that you face. will ever meet. Um own I love Stephen Curtis Chapman. Own every album since nineteen eighty seven like the year after I came out of the womb. So we'd like to give a huge thanks to The Stable Collective, the artist management agency for Mr. Chapman, for so graciously allowing us to use that chorus. It was an absolute honor for us. Um, be sure to check out all of their work at the com. All right, if you were with us for episode five, you know that we talked a lot about the issue of substance versus show, uh, the churches that are kind of in the ministry for the right reasons versus the ones that are just all flash. In order to attract people, but biblically, they're real empty and shallow. They're not discipling people or ministering to their community. We dealt with a lot of that, and we would encourage you, if you haven't already, to kind of trek back and catch that episode. As we sit here recording this episode today, we just returned from a weekend in Birmingham where we were able to attend three days of the From Embers to a Flame conference at Briarwood Presbyterian Church. Thanks to Walter and Sue Levier, we'd like to give a huge hey, shout out, out to big them. Big shout out! Uh, thanks for awesome friends. Thanks for covering the cost of our attendance and for so graciously allowing us to stay in your home and treating us to some fantastic barbecue. Good barbecue. Full moon barbecue. Full moon barbecue. <laughs> we don't. Awesome. Uh, we don't. We don't have any commercial or promo to insert for them here. Uh, but Mobile, this, we don't have a full moon barbecue. But yeah, th- th- this a is a shout out for the full moon in Birmingham. That's, that's right. <laughs> One thing that we both immediately observed about this conference, um, which, by the way, I would, I'll just point out, was being held at a church of over 4,000 people, was how clear they were that this conference was not designed to help you grow the attendant size of your church. They made that really clear right out of the gate. That's not our objective here. Um, this conference is really designed to help you revitalize the spiritual health of your church. Exactly.
0: One of my reasons that I'm going to recommend this conference to everybody that's listening, <laughs> every pastor that I know, we're literally trying to figure out a way to bring as many pastors as
1: we can to their next one or have one here. Absolutely. and the same thing. And, and one quote that I loved just kind of right at the beginning from Dr. Reeder, uh, he, he's the lead pastor of Briarwood, and, and he taught and, and preached a lot of the conference sessions, did a phenomenal job. It's great to sit under his wisdom and insight. and Very much so. And, uh, and, and he said, you know, this is not about... Putting meat in the seat, right? And, and I just—he has a bunch of those. That, yeah, his little quips, and and right. that one just stuck with me the whole time. I just thought that was great. Um, very well said, well put. And we'll, we'll get to that issue a little bit later. Um, I just really appreciated his candor and his matter of factness, especially with the young pastors that and the seminary students that were there in attendance. He just wasn't afraid to tell it like it was. So, just to kind of kick things off, what was something you? noticed or something that stood out to you the most about the conference personally, maybe something you learned or that you really appreciated?
0: Well, I shared this with you and uh, Walter, our host family. Um, It was like being back at Bible college for me um, with the great professors that I sat under. And it was like that in several regards. One, very biblically literate, very scripturally sound, um, Doctor Reeder didn't need his Bible with him. Right, it just came off his head. Oh, oh, yeah, he quoted and so many things verbatim. All of my professors everything. used to could do that. It's very <laughs> awesome to experience that because you know he's been able to connect scriptures that don't normally connect for people. Right. Um. So that was awesome, and as well as his seniority, uh, he's he's a pastor that's got the wounds and the scars and the the stories that tell you that, and he's he's you know brought several churches from near destructive edge to successful healthy mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. Um not necess- not just numerically, but but in every way. They were discipling churches when he left there. And um so that's a guy you want to listen to. And then I really, really appreciate the fact that uh he, he spoke with humility, mm-hmm. um, like the professors I grew up under. So I felt like I was back at Bible college and just able to soak in this, you know, really intense uh, teaching and it is intense. If you if you can attend with us next year, or be a part of one that we could do here, we hope um, it's an intense couple of three days. You,
1: it's like drinking from a fire hose twice. Oh yeah. Um, so I I think that's a really good you know description of everything when he was um when he was speaking on the the issue of uh, mission and vision, which I, I think was strategy number seven in our binders. He um uh, he said that the church doesn't exist to give you a job. And and I just I kinda you know thought that maybe that you know maybe punched a few of the young pastors or, or, or in the face in there, or the ones that have only been in the ministry for like six months, or the, the students that are thinking about becoming pastors. It's their career call. Right, right. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're thinking called, well, this is gonna cur- be this is gonna be my job. Career, you know, yeah. and, and they're thinking I've gotta put you know food on the table somehow. Um but but he said the church doesn't exist to give you a job God determines your job within the church, Correct. His bride, His body. How do you think something like that resonates with a lot of those young pastors uh, who are maybe just a few months in and the young students who are thinking about it? And, and did it resonate with you being 40 years into pastoral ministry? Was it a good reminder?
0: It's a great reminder. I think the the thing I hope that it resonated with the young pastors mm-hmm. um, and the guys that I'll use that with down the road is to never let your calling become your career. Right. And I see this in ministry a lot over my 40 years. I see young pastors or middle-aged pastors who, Move to another church because it's a, they think it's a step up in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that in denominational stuff, especially, but, but some people just move around because it's like, well, this church is better than that church or bigger than that church or pays better mm-hmm. or whatever. So I'm going to, I'm going to take this job and this, this calling to this church is no longer as important as my move to that church. And that's, that becomes career minded, not call minded. And, um, you You know from years and years and years ago when I had you interview a little lady that was the principal of the elementary school that I got saved in,
1: oh yeah, oh uh, yeah, Miss
0: Mary Grimes, Miss Grimes, um, her first job at a very impoverished, poor Christian school was very low paying job. Christian school teachers make terrible money, it's just mm-hmm. bless mm-hmm. their hearts, most of them do. Uh, my wife was in that category for a while, I was in that category for a while, so I get that. But the Christian schools can't pay what the public schools can pay on, on any kind of scale, usually. I'm sure there are some around the country that have figured it out, but that the tuition has to be enormous for that to happen. Right. But most Christian school teachers don't make anything. Miss mm. Grimes was not making very much at all, and her first job as a girl right out of college was the highest-paying job she ever had. Wow. And she moved backwards her whole life. Uh, financially but had a huge ministry impact on tons of people because she wasn't trying to build a career around teaching she was trying to minister to people and i think as pastors we need to learn from that we need to be uh, the calling on your life by god is way more important than the career and god will provide and take care of now you may not be driving the you know the next BMW, you know, or that's, you know the, la- the latest that's UGO really true, that's out yeah. there. I don't think think UGO's out there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> go still make car? I don't know. You may not be driving anything <laughs> that you want to drive, but
1: your your call will sustain you. That's and, true. So. And, and how do you think? I mean, if you if you have something like that happening with with a young pastor, how do you help a young pastor? Um, who's, who's maybe struggling with that kind of differentiate those in his head. I mean, you know, what advice would you give to a pastor like that? The, the few that I've talked to, I, you basically go, stop it. Yeah. Just
0: just stop. Just stop doing it. Get over it. That's right. You cannot be, if you're, if you're interested in making money. Don't go into the ministry. Yeah, and you're in it for the wrong reasons. Please don't do ministry for the money. Right. Um, and don't move because there's money better here or there. Hmm. Move because God says these people need your kind of help, and these people have the help they need right now. You've sustained or stabilized them. Your your season there is done, and these people need what you have as a gift. If you hear that call from God, then you can move. Yeah. And as you know, I left a church making a lot more money. Mm-hmm. in Birmingham to come here uh, to a church, not going to ever make that kind of money again, right. never have made that kind of money again, but it was a calling and yeah. all the offers that have been on the table since I've been here, not important to me because this is my calling. As soon
1: as God calls me somewhere else, there's another conversation. Then you'll, that I then you'll go. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And, uh, and that's why you're, you know, not only the best pastor in the world, but the best dad in the world. You no, know, uh, a shameless plug there. Yeah. Um so, no bias at all. Yeah, no bias at all. Yeah. So Dr. Reeder kicked off the first session of the conference um by talking about, and this was kind of within the context of church revitalization, um, which was great for us because that's what we do as a ministry, that the real objective doesn't need to be to plant more churches, it needs to be to help the ones that are already in existence come back to spiritual health. Um mm-hmm. why is it that church planning still seems to be a trendy thing? Uh it's easier in the US. You it's know, easier. I mean, we we have so many local churches that are already in decline and barely holding on. And yeah, but they're but they're, but they're hanging on.
0: Some of them are hanging on to the wrong stuff. And yeah. revitalizing, moving a church that's stuck in the seventies, eighties, or nineties. And I say seventies laughingly at our church, but moving a church that's stuck in the seventies or eighties or nineties to right. to a contemporary a ministry model church that can get out into the community and minister is very, very, very hard. It is. You're moving them and and it's a little like pulling a train up a hill by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Taking going, going and, you know, having a Bible study in your home that becomes a larger Bible study that becomes a larger Bible study with young couples that are excited about the Bible study and a guy that can play the guitar really good and a lady that can sing really good and saying, Hey, we're going to rent this storefront and y'all come and Woohoo, we're all going to pass out flyers this week and get more people here. We're going to do a car wash in the parking lot of our, you know, storefront and get more people here. And, you know, eventually you're around 115, 120 people there. Um, but you didn't have to work off the base of anything. You created right. that base. The right. problem for most of that, a lot of times is, uh, there's no seniority there. There's no older saints there. No,
1: no wisdom and experience. No, yeah, yeah no, no, right.
0: <laughs> no wisdom and experience there that can help stabilize that. And, and it's running off of all fresh new energies um, that doesn't have the experience it needs to keep to sustain itself. Some mm. some do fine. So, yeah. sure, granted, some do great. That's true. Uh, but there are, it is a challenge. It's just way harder. I think it's way better plan, by the way, to take what's already there because that church. That old church on that hill, that old church in that community, that old church, you know, in that neighborhood, uh, was put there by a bunch of people that believed God was working there. And they put their hard earned savings into buying a building. They put their hard earned savings into building a nursery and setting it up. And it, it should be worth something. We, sh- we should honor that generation by doing our best to sustain those buildings, uh, and definitely those ministries. If the building needs to be torn down and rebuilt, that's fine. But the the ministry to that community was somebody's vision at one time from the Mm -hmm. hand of God, most likely.
1: Absolutely. Um, In a a section on gospel ministry, there was some really good discussion on uh, something that they called quietism versus pietism. It's kind of this idea that pious pastors believe God is at work because of what they're doing. Um, Do you see that as prevalent in some of today's pastoral culture? Um, do you think there's a solution to overcome that that there's this this element of pietism in in the pastoral culture i, I do I, I mean I would
0: agree that there's ministers out there i'm so far removed from them i can't right i, I don't even try <laughs> to look at them on the internet although you know they run across your page every once in a while um but but it 's all about you know Look at what I can do, mm-hmm. and you know I'm the greatest that ever did and will yeah. be, and all that. And so, I think that's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, the, I think it's an it's a sin that the sin of pride gets into the middle of all that. The there's a Pharisaism that can get tied into that, and God cannot, will not bless it. James chapter four actually says God will resist those proud people. That doesn't mean their ministry is not going to go crazy because entertainment and sometimes arrogance is very attractive
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: Uh, people that are very self-confidently thinking they're all that and you know peanut butter sandwich they're they're very attractive to people so
1: (laughs) absolutely and um and just real quick i'll ask you there was a there was a really i really i really appreciated the emphasis on prayer that was um that was uh done at the conference and how you know churches need to be praying churches and they need to have intercessory prayer and we even attended a, um, a prayer breakfast as yes. part of the conference where we were prayed for specifically in person by a prayer partner at Briarwood who's who's on their prayer team. And everybody and
0: the entire time we were there, there's a group of people across that, the hall in the yep, chapel that praying were praying for us. For us
1: exactly. I and, ran into
0: those people a couple of times, literally walked into the chapel while they were Yeah. And, and
1: I mean, that that's just overwhelming when you're there knowing you're being prayed for while you're at the conference. Um, why do you feel like that is so important and vital in the life of a church and how can churches do it more effectively and better?
0: Well, there's so many good quotes on prayer and the the prayer warriors and saints of the past, mm-hmm. um, the DL Moody's and those guys that spent hours and hours and hours in prayer before they ever started their day at four thirty in the morning or whatever. Right. Right. You know, overwhelm you with that. And, Ian Bounds, all his books on prayer, you know, are very impassioned. And they, they just teach you that prayer is at the center of everything we do. It is it is probably one of my greatest weaknesses. I've said this publicly many times in sermons. Uh, it's one of my greatest weaknesses is private prayer time. Mm-hmm. I get easily distracted. So my prayer has to be journaled. Mm-hmm. I have to write, be writing it or typing it. Um, or I have to be praying with somebody, which is why I have a bunch of prayer partners. I have right. people that just meet with me and we just pray because I can stay focused. If I'm with somebody, I, I pay better attention to right. what and I'm you, doing. And you kind of have to. Yeah, my ADHD, <laughs> because you've got, an, you've got yeah. accountability there. Yeah, which my is, D-U-M-B which U- brain doesn't wander away. So uh, the, for me, that is, the prayer is very central and I love their emphasis of it. I love the fact they talked about it needs to be fervent and passionate prayer. Uh, and that, and, um, uh that that they use the Nehemiah passage to say um, we need to have an intolerance. Uh, we need to get to a place where we will not tolerate what we're praying against. If we're praying for lost people to get saved, it needs to matter to us that they're not getting saved. If we're praying for a neighborhood, our church praying for LeBaron, um, it just doesn't need to be okay with us that we're not able to get the gospel into that neighborhood. We have to get past that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It was really good that they placed an emphasis on that for sure. And they placed a real good uh, heavy emphasis on the gospel as well, making sure that churches are centered around the gospel and that everything that they do comes out of the gospel. So, um,
0: Yeah, the quote that I took out of that, the gospel is the, the gospel of salvation by grace is the foundation, formation, motivation of the Christian life.
1: Yeah, that's, that was real powerful. Um, and, and I think that a lot of churches, um, you know, a lot of churches probably fall into that mindset of, and and some of this even was kind of came up in your sermon today, um, that, you know, after a while, the gospel just, you know, if you're not careful, it just gets old. And so, you know, if, if you don't, continually revisit it in a fresh way, it's it's probably easy to fall into that yeah, We should preach.
0: Of- I, they said it in there many times in most of the books I've read in the last two years, but we should preach the gospel to ourselves every day, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we should emphasize the gospel all the time to ourselves, because it's how we're saved. And every morning, if you remind yourself, without the gospel you're not saved, and with the gospel you are, you're headed to heaven, not hell.
1: Absolutely.
0: Every day, it, it changes everything. So I uh, I enjoyed also uh, uh, Bruce Stallings, one of our favorite speakers there. Oh, yeah, great, he was a great. great speaker. He was really good. Um, he, he had a statement that says, Repent- Repentance doesn't make things a little better. True repentance to God makes all things new. And mm-hmm. if you just meditate on what that means, uh, we tend to want to help get people to learn about repentance being a little better. Right. When in reality, true repentance is what makes all things new. And God came to make us new. So that's very powerful.
1: Very well said. And
0: as you said at the beginning, I, I love the emphasis that uh, it's. Dr. Reeder said, it's not good to purpose in your church to grow. You should purpose in your church for health. You should You should really work at having a healthy church, a church that's, solid in the word, a church that mm-hmm. prays hard, a church that believes in discipleship, Right. A church that loves one another and a church that loves others outside the walls. Well, Absolutely. those things become valuable and the church will be, get stronger and the God will choose the numbers. Absolutely. So I had a great time at the conference. It was, what is one of your biggest takeaways?
1: Uh, I think for me, a lot of what you gleaned, um, is some of the same stuff that I glean in it. And and what was really neat for me was to be able to to glean it and kind of have it um you know to, to to glean a lot of insight and wisdom from from Dr. Reeder and the other speakers who were there and see how those things were applicable to my role in the church, um, doing communications and, and digital media and like like with this idea of the gospel being central to the church and 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 everything that even even in even in what we do as a church digitally even that should draw people to the gospel correct um because i see you know i see like we've discussed previously a lot of those churches that even online and and in their media worlds are all about the flash and the 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 pull in is is not the pull in doesn't point you to Jesus, it points you to them. Yes. And then, and then maybe when you get in the doors, you might see Jesus, right. but you, you may also just be there for a concert, entertainment, and story. And, and so, what, what that meant to me was making sure that everything that, that I do personally in the media world, in communications with Northside and with 614, and it is, is always pointing people towards Christ. And so that even, even a graphic, even a a social media graphic, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the fun graphics that, you know, that we have and and all of that kind of stuff. There's, there's nothing wrong with all that, but you also want to make sure that that the stuff that you're putting out there really is pointing people towards Christ. Yeah. Love that. So, uh, and it
0: is a great adventure to be in the ministry 40 years later uh, no regrets in all the hard <laughs> days. It is a great and adventure. He can say that with a straight face, which, thrilled, which impresses s- me. Stri- thrilled that, that the Chapman group is allowing us to use their stuff because we love that music. Absolutely. Um, and we want you guys to have a great adventure this week in your ministry. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll be praying for your church. If you if we can help you in any way, contact us through 614rebuild at gmail.com.
1: And, um, and you can learn more about us at 614ministries.org dad thanks again so much for your time as always And always great be sure to follow us on social media um, Facebook and Twitter at 614rebuild and um, also we're going to um, have some more podcast episodes coming out soon we are on almost all of the major platforms now so be sure to follow us on Apple uh, Podcasts Stitcher um, all of Spotify. The, the Spotify all the major ones yeah, yeah we're, we're getting everything up and running there for you guys so